You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We're going to cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I am your tour guide, Adam Barnard, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's on your mind? How about them cowboys? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I know they lost last week, but I'm still in my uh glory here. Uh as a Phil well, you know. My Philadelphia Eagles shit the bed. But uh no one expected them to do anything this year, so uh, you know, there's that. Uh, normally we don't kick off a sports talk, but you know, you know. It needs to be said that, uh, you know, Dallas sucks. So, uh, I don't hate Cowboys fans, really. It's just like the ones from Jersey and Philly that annoy me. You know, just the... Brother, don't you have any civic pride? You know, when people should have Philly and Philly fans, they're basically talking about Philadelphia citizens, which you are one of. So... But uh, yeah, that uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, Cowboys were supposed to go to the Super Bowl this year. Who knew that you know they would lose in the first round again? So ah, uh, fuck it. I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like the Cowboys always lose in the first, like the first round of everything. Yeah. I don't even recall. Maybe the Pod Squad. Shout out to the Pod Squad as well for joining us today while we record. Um, yes. Maybe somebody can Google this while we're talking. But when was the last time the Cowboys even went to a Super Bowl? Because I can't remember i remember watching the bills and the the cowboys in like 90 was that 91 or 92 no they they, their their heyday was like 94 95 96 maybe yeah i don't even remember but in any dude imagine imagine being a fucking i love the the, i love buffalo i love i like the buffalo bills you know the eagles are my team but you know they went to four straight super bowls and didn't win one yeah so and they, ESPN did a uh, thirty for thirty on that. Really? You know? Oh, that was yeah. probably incredible. It's called the uh, Four Falls of uh, Buffalo, but Buffalo. Uh, I'm not making light of your situation because I actually love Buffalo as a city. Uh, your unis are your uniforms are fucking tight with the blue. I'm a big fan of the Buffalo Bill uniform. Uh, I'm diehard Eagles fan. I've said that. I fe- I feel like my pay another team a compliment. I have to say. I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but yeah, uh, yeah, fuck the Cowboys. Yeah, so. yeah, it looks like Andrew Bailey jumped in here as well. It was 26 years ago, uh, their last Super Bowl in 1995. 
with the Pittsburgh they have, Steelers, my second home in Pittsburgh. They have the longest uh, streak of not going to a conference championship game, which is like 11 years. So I guess my question is, why do football yeah. fans continue to elevate these folks as if it, they're like the dynasty, right? Because like, when you think about it, like nobody talks about the Chicago Bulls like that anymore, right? Like the Bulls were the team of the 90s, right? But yeah. they're not the team anymore. So at what point do we all say, because I feel like we're, we're past that point now, right? That's a, like, that's a great point, we're Mr. Past, uh, Bar Thank you, Mr. Sir. Barnyard. Thank you, sir. Andrew Barnyard is here to answer all the hard questions <laughs> and ask the hard ones too. Uh, but it's like, at what point do we say, okay, they're not the team that we used to be. Let's stop elevating this team and move hey, on. Hey, hey, I mean, like when the Bulls lose a game, they don't go, yeah, but we won those things in nine. You know, we, we won all those championships in the nineties. The, 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 the only, you know, fan base and team that talks about what they did 26 years ago are Cowboys fans. It's insane. You know, it's like Al Bundy talking about throwing, you know, those touchdown passes at Polk High, you know, just... <laughs> It reminds me of uh, Uncle Rico from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. That's what they are. The Cowboys are the Uncle Rico of the NFL. That's yeah, it's like they, 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 they you know, Eagles finally won a, a Super Bowl. Right. But before the Super Bowl, they had won three NFL championships, which Cowboys fans refuse to acknowledge because that would mean the Eagles have almost as many championships as the Cowboys. You know, they uh, won a championship in 1948, 1949. 1960, they were the only team to beat Vince Lombardi in the playoffs ever. You know, the man that they made the Super Bowl, named the Super Bowl trophy after, the Lombardi <laughs> trophy. The Eagles were the only team to, to ever beat him. Wow. So, but we're not allowed to acknowledge that because it wasn't called a Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl itself is just a gimmick. You know, when there was, you know, the AFL and the NFL and they would meet yearly and but now, like, you know, the NFL acquired the AFL. So it's all one thing. So they, they call the Super Bowls just a gimmick name, right? It's, it sounds better than saying world championship when America's the only team that plays American football. <laughs> so, so they give this name the Super Bowl. But before it was the Super Bowl, it was the NFL championship. So e the Philadelphia Eagles have four of those. But the Cowboys fans have five Super Bowls. So they want to have the one upmanship of saying we have five Super Bowls and the Eagles only have one. No, motherfucker. We were the best team in football for, for four different years. So kiss my fat ass. There we How go. About that? Kiss my fat blue ass is where we should say. I, uh, I think for me, like the way I think about it, it's like, okay, well, it's still a championship, right? Cause like, yeah. So to bring it back to wrestling, which is what we do, Oh, I, I got a perfect analogy, but go ahead. But I'm you, thinking you about first. I'm thinking about the big gold belt, right? I'm yeah. thinking about the World Heavyweight Championship. So yeah. Dolph Ziggler won that belt. Dolph Ziggler is yeah. still a world champion. It doesn't matter that it's right. not the WWE Championship because it's recognized as a world championship, right? Or, you know, Taz is an ECW champion. He's a world champion. That is yeah. recognized as a world championship, right? So like for me, I don't, right. I think the distinction is kind of odd, you know, that they won't recognize those, those original championships, the NFL championships as like tight, you know what I mean? Like a, like a win. I, I don't know why they, what's the lineage breakdown of that? How come it's not, is it just Dallas being Dallas or is it just, you know, rabid fans not wanting to be realistic about a championship win? 
Bruno Sammartino was a two-time WWWF champion. So when they went from being WWWF to WWF, he was still recognized as the world champion. Now WWF is now WWE. They still recognize Bruno Sammartino as holding the WWE championship. So, I mean, a champion is a champion is a champion. So, agreed, agreed. And I think <laughs> uh, I think anybody that is uh, is not is not on board with that can kiss Meanie's fat blue ass and kiss my fat Slovak ass. But speaking of kissing asses today, Meanie, it is. Gl- I am glad <laughs> to be here. I don't know if, ha- if that's a good transition or not. But uh, first things first, I would love to give a shout out to former co-host. Josh Chernoff. Yeah. And his incredible new position with Fight as the director of programming. I would be remiss not to mention that at the top of the show. Um, we are very excited uh, to be able to talk about that uh, out loud and acknowledge and uh, get the word out for him. That is exciting shit. Uh, we're very proud of him here. We are looking forward to seeing what happens next. And uh, I'm, I'm incredibly high. It's well-earned, well-deserved. And uh, we are very proud of Real Daddy uh, on the show here. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, Josh was the first person that came to mind when I was like, oh, maybe let, let me do a podcast. And then uh, as, you know, uh, we started doing the show, we started doing shows on fight and he was giving them tons of content between so says, so says Chernoff and uh, mine and Meanie that uh, they were like, hey, man, this guy's got kind of got a skill here. He's got talent here. And uh he started acquiring more duties there and uh, they made him an offer and it was, you know, I mean, I could not in good conscience go, hey, it's mine to me or nothing, pal. You know, you know, I got the call, you know, from WWE, you know, I, I called all my, I called Nova. He was the first person I called. I was like, hey man, I got this offer to go to WWE. He's like, dude, go do it, you know? And then that night, Nova called me from, they were doing a, a, a loop in Florida and like Nova called me on the, on the cell phone and everybody on the, in the East W locker room got on the phone and said, you know, good luck, you know, mm-hmm. gave me their, their best. So like for Josh to get this, if you know, this opportunity to fight, how can I in good conscience go, dude, no, you, you, I, I, you got to stay here. But you know, also it, and, and, uh, Know, to credit to Josh, he, you know, wanted he wanted to protect the brand of mine and the meanie, you know, and that's where you come along. Yep. You yeah. Know, he had done an interview with you, and he, he said, "Hey, there's this uh, this dude uh, Adam out in Pittsburgh. He, he's got a really good podcast, you know, and that's when we start doing those test runs. Yeah. You know, this, you know, to, to find our footing, you know, get a feel for each other. And I was like, yeah, he's great. Let's let's do it. You know, so." And it was hard to keep, you know, keep that secret, you know, you know, mm-hmm. from, yeah, you know, we try to be as open as we can with the, uh, the pod squad, yeah. but, um, uh, also, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, if you talk about something before it happens, it's a jinx. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I have a, you know, all right now I'm in talks with two different things about two different possible scenarios I can't talk about right now because uh, I don't want to jinx it. And, uh, you know, 
let the cat is back too early. Like, you know, uh, I learned a lesson from Howard Stern. Like, uh, he, you know, one time, he, one day on the Howard Stern show, he talked about doing a cartoon called, called Howard Stern, the teen, the high school years or the teenage years and never came to be. But for the rest, you know, the next 20 years, he had to explain, hey, where's that uh, Howard Stern, the teenage years, you know? Just like I, I kind of how I'm always answering the question, whatever happened to the Blind Bitch Project, you know? They ran the two teasers for it and never aired the rest of it. So, like, for the rest of my career, I'm explaining what happened. So, uh, in that, you know, with Josh, we, you know, we didn't want to, you know, let the cat out of the bag too soon. You know, it was up to fight to uh, get every, all the contracts ready and signed and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, now that it's official, 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 and Josh uh, has made the announcement, uh, you know, I can I got to say, I'm, I'm, you know, very proud of him, very happy for him. Uh, you know, he's a, he's always had that, like, entrepreneurial spirit about him, you know, where, uh, you know, teenage promoter, running shows, doing this, doing everything, and, you know, he's made this career path for him just off of, you know, sheer... Uh, hard work and mm -hmm. uh, ingenuity thinking. So, you know, I'm happy for him. And, uh, you know, there wouldn't be a, a mind of Amini without him. Right. Which I'm grateful to be here as well because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I never in a million years, man, when I started my show, I'll be like, oh no, yeah, never. I'd never thought I'd be doing a, uh, you know, a major wrestling podcast with the blue meanie and here I am. And honestly, it's because of Josh and it's, it's, and his faith and trust in me to steer the ship and also, you know, your trust and your, your support and approval. Uh, so I'm just grateful, man. I'm grateful all the time for both of you. And it's just, I'm really excited to see what happens. Uh, perhaps, you know, Josh, we got a great show for you that we can bring on board if you'd like to, uh, you know, I, well, here's what we'll do. I'll have my people call your people. And then we'll link up. But no, we're, we're hyped for it, man. We're, we're really excited. Looking forward to seeing what comes next. Uh, what I'm not looking forward to is talking about all the fucking death in the world right now, though, brother. Oh, my God. In 24 yeah. hours. So as a little inside baseball, we're recording this on January 21st in the year of our Lord, 2022. And both Meatloaf and Louis Anderson have died in the span of like less than probably 12 or 14 hours. Dude, it's... Which is, it's, it's Sad. It's sad. You know, uh, you know, I'm a little bit older. So, uh, when I was a, a youngster, they were up and coming. Oh, well, Meatloaf had a head start. He was seventies, you know, with bad out of hell. But, you know, Louie Anderson, I used to watch him on the, uh, Rodney Dangerfield young comedian special. I, you know, ironically enough, I think he was on there with, um, Bob Saget. You know, he, wow. Bob Saget did those same specials as well. So, in the in the in the course of a, like a week, we've lost two comedy legends. You know, Bob Saget and Louis Anderson. You know, in in the, the heyday, you know, growing up, you know, I was born in the seventies, but growing up in the eighties, stand up comedy was the thing. You could turn on any channel almost at any time, and there was like a half-hour comedy special. There was Evening at the Improv. MTV had the half-hour comedy hour. Um, you know, VH1 had, you know, you know stand-up spotlight, you know, hosted by Rosie O'Donnell. Mm. 
And you saw Louis Anderson on TV a couple times a week, you know? And, uh, you know, or, you know, he's always on Johnny Carson or, you know, the talk show circuit and stuff like that. It's just, and he was funny. He was, he, he, you know, he he was in, uh, you know, Coming to America. He was in, he made a cameo on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, and just uh, between the voice and the, the, the persona, he, he, you know, had a, an amazing shtick, yeah. so to speak. And then, you know, with Meatloaf, I mean, talk about a guy who was his own genre of music, really. Yeah. Just, uh, he, 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 he was rock and roll, but he was also kind of classy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, I like my rock and roll with a little bit of opera, cuz. Little bit uh, of class. Yeah, yeah a, little bit of, a little bit of class. Raise my pinky with my natty light. Um, but no, talk about a legend. You know, he, uh, you know, he, he came out with, you know, had Bad Out of Hell. And then, like, I mean, he's part of one of the most iconic movies with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, and not even just that, but also Fight Club. Uh, you know, Meatloaf was Robert Paulson. That, he had a, he played an instrumental role in that flip. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, he, you know, cross-generational stuff. I'm he always, was a focal point! <laughs> I'm always... <laughs> I'm always hyped to see people like cross those generational lines, you know, because I feel yeah. like it's like even with Bob Saget or even to go back a little bit further into the month because we're, you know, we're only 21 days into the month and everyone's dying. Um, but Betty White is another one. I mean, these, these people My who just God. transcend, you know, yeah. uh, age groups and, and generations. It's just, it's crazy, man. And, and I just, I remember Louie Anderson from a show called Life with Louie, uh, which I think yeah. was a cartoon back in the, like the mid nineties. And yeah. I, that was the first time that I had met or seen rather, um, Louis Anderson at any point. And I just, I, it was just shocking today to, to learn that information. And it's like, oh shit, Meatloaf died. And I was like, oh my God, Louis Anderson. But as we always talk about, it's the same thing all the time, man. It's like time is such a finite and weird thing. You know, it just, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's a shame. It's a shame to lose both of them and a shame to continue to lose more people like that. But yeah, and you know, you know, as you get older, you're like, man, like the uh, you know, Rolling Stones saying it, what a drag it is getting older. Yeah, uh, it's because yeah. part, you know, and now we live in a the information society where information's instant. Yeah, you yeah. know, right away between man. between social media, cell phones, all that stuff. You see, you can see things, something that just happened. Yeah, live in, in living color. You know, but uh, yeah, that, that that news broke today, and you just mentioned Betty White. Oh my God, I forgot. Yeah, that it seems like once you're done mourning one person that you know, was a part of your childhood and part of your life, you're on to another. And uh, you know, um, it's a shame. It's a shame, you know, because you know they were such a part of you know they were a part, huge part of my childhood. Between you know Betty White and the Golden Girls. I think of the Golden Girls. I th you know, it brings me back to watching TV with my grandma and watching, t you know, sharing a laugh with her. Or you know, me being a big fan of stand-up comedy, Louis Anderson, Bob Saget, you know, and now Meatloaf. I mean, he was the sound. He was the soundtrack of you know the seventies and eighties and you know the nineties as well. Yeah, you know, three decades. You know, you know, and. uh you know, you can't re you can't replace that, or you can't duplicate that. He was he was his own genre of music. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame, man. Like there's not, there's not, there's no other way to put it, but I, uh, I'm hoping we don't have to have, continue to have these conversations about multiple famous people yeah. dying every week. Cause it's just, it feels a little bit like 2008 all over again. You know, like remember that yeah. summer of 2008 when like everyone died, DJ, yeah. DJ AM and, and I think Patrick Swayze, Ted Kennedy, like it was just like one person after another. Like, can we please, like, can we just get a break for a second? Can we just stop? Can we not do this anymore? Um, DJ AM was, uh, he had a the plane crash, right? Or so he was in a plane crash with Travis Barker. I think it was about a right. year or a year and a half before that. But his death okay. was like, his death was a direct, he was also a Philly guy too. He was born and raised in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, yep. And he, his death was actually a direct result of that. He was in recovery. And when the plane crash happened, he had like a bunch of, he was really had a bunch of PTSD and anxiety issues and he started to oh, use again. And then they found him dead in his, in his apartment. Um, really tragic story though. I mean, a guy was just unbelievable. If you've never heard a mix by DJ AM, I mean, you really got to go out of your way to find it, but he is, yeah. I mean, just an innovator with the tables, uh, just incredible yeah. work, but, um, tra tra Travis Barker's, uh, recollection of that accident is, is scary. Yeah. You know, he, he, he talked about that on the, uh, Joe Rogan podcast and, uh, man, just, you know, you know. Think of all the you know people we almost lost to you know airline. You know, you know between you know Flair being in a plane yeah. crash and all this, just to survive it. You know, just it's, it's one of the biggest things. You know, biggest fears. You know, it's one thing to be driving. You know, when something happened, you have a chance to maybe jerk the wheel and avoid it and stuff like that. You're you're in the air, right? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing yeah. you can do. Oh uh, my God! I uh, nightmare I night nightmare fuel. There's actually, I think there's. I remember watching ABC News, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a second because this is something that I have a, a real problem with, and I don't know maybe if you share it, but they had aired video of the like police officers' dash cam from the plane crash. So if anybody's not really familiar, if you're listening out there, you're not familiar with the story. Travis Barker and DJ AM were involved in a plane crash. I want to say it was 2007, and Travis Barker right. was the person who woke up DJ AM and actually saved his life. And there was a bunch of like, both of the pilots died, um, their assistant and their bodyguard died in the plane. And they actually somehow Barker was able to get himself and DJ AM out of the plane and down the wing of the plane. They were both like pretty much on fire. Like, and I'm not laughing to make light. It's just like, it's, it's insane to wrap your mind around. I mean, they had second right. and third degree burns on their bodies. Like they almost died from that. And the video- yeah was just, it was horrific. It was ghoulish because they're just, it's a scream that is unmistakable in those types of situations. The way they're, right. I mean, Travis Barker is putting himself out and he's sh just screaming in pain. And yeah. I think for me, like watching that stuff or having it in my brain, it's just so invasive. You know, like it's just such an invasive, yeah. an invasion of someone's privacy. It's an invasion yeah. of someone at their worst. Like just as a recent example, Alec Baldwin. All right, Alec Baldwin was involved in that shooting that happened on the set of that show, Rust. And someone right. was, t I guess the paparazzi was taking photographs of him outside of the police station. And he's doubled over crying, probably dry heaving because he just killed somebody accidentally. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, I just, I feel like, and I don't know, maybe pick your brain on that a little bit, but it's like, I just feel like it's such a, it's such an invasion of someone's life. You know, like this per, like we're humans too. I would, I, I would not want someone that close to me or filming and then releasing some like 
what if something happened in one of my family and someone died and there's someone filming it, you know, like, and it's like, right. oh, Adam Bernard's family, you know, watch, watch his reaction. I don't want anybody to see that. That's a real, I don't know. What do you think about that? It's a, it's an unfortunate thing of, you know, where we are, you know, instant, you know, information. And unfortunately people profit from that, you know, just, uh, you know, I've been through some, you know, uh, some uh, crazy things, you know, you know, the whole JBL thing happened to me on, on live on pay-per-view and <laughs> I'm still talking about that to this day. You know, even though me and John made up and we're good, we're friends. We had a moment that was on live TV and, you know, we can't take that back. We can't erase it. We get, and, and the unfortunate thing is people only remember the initial headline. They don't, you know, remember or see or bother to look for any kind of retraction or follow-up, you know? So something that could be put out there in an instant without somebody thinking, oh, how how's this going to affect that person? They record it and they put it out and they put their, you know, money in the bank and then they're on to the next thing to capture. Now that person's got to explain that situation, whatever it may be, you know. I'm not just talking about the bald one thing, just... That person has to live with that thing being explained over and over and over again for the rest of their life. And meanwhile, the person who captured it, they're living their life, you know. And it's unfortunate, you know. I can only imagine, you know, I, I brought up the JBL thing and I can imagine, you know, me and John are like, Jesus Christ, you know, we're over it. Let's move on to the next thing. I can only imagine somebody on a higher level, you know, you know, dealing with that, you know, you know, people, you know, living with people staked outside your house and stuff like that, you know, that level of fame, you know, where, you know, you don't know, you don't know who to trust. You don't know where to go. You don't know how to sell, you know, because right. right. it's, it's not the, the incident that they want you that they want to capture the sell of it, how you, how you put it over, how you sell it, you know? And that's, you know, that's why I always say, you know, the best sell is the no sell, you know. Um, there was like footage just came out from uh, what's John Cena's new show. Um, uh, Peacemaker. And it was just like an outtake. But like I, the, and Mrs. Meany, you know, uh, pointed this out to me, you know. Uh, the one girl kept flubbing her lines and she's laughing and laughing and laughing. And John's just standing there. You know, stoic, because as a wrestler, you're taught how to, the, the no-sell is something that's ingrained into you. And he's like just standing there like not laughing, not selling, no, but you know, that, that is just another point that like if something happened to John out in public, you know, he would learn, he would per, pretty much learn how to no-sell that as well. So, and that that's what, you know, that's the point I'm trying to make with these, you know, the paparazzi and all this stuff. They want the emotion. They want the selling. They want, you know, you know, you could be sneezing and they'll be like, oh, the blue meanie in tears, you know, yeah, as I'm going, yeah. yeah, they get a still of that and uh, they say oh, a picture's worth a thousand words. Right. That photo, they can take that photo of me going, uh, and blue meanie devastated over this, that, and the other thing. Not that, you know, I'm selling newspapers or anything <laughs> like that, but- 
me as an example, if I was on that level of fame to where somebody can, you know, profit from it, you know, it's just a, uh, as Don, as Donna Henley said, we love dirty laundry, you know, well, kick, them, kick them when they're up, kick them when they're down. First of all, great song. Second of all, um, I, there's a video I think out there of, of John Cena being prodded by somebody who's trying to take a photo or something and yeah. he's just shopping and he's like, Hey man, can you, can you not film me? You know? And like CM Punk recently just tweeted something about that. Like, Hey you right. know, guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like let's not fucking follow me to the airport, which I feel like is a reasonable request. Even if it's not a pandemic, like he talked about it in the pipe bomb. And I'm sure a lot of that was real. Like I'm sure yeah. it happens to you guys all the time. It's like, you're in the middle of an airport. It's 4.30 in the morning. You're probably starving. You're exhausted. You got to fly to another city and hear somebody shoving shit in your face. And it's like, guys, can you just like, can you just back off a little bit, you know? And what the deal with that is, it's, it's, it's one thing for a fan to recognize you and come up and say, hey, can I have your autograph? Sure. Sign it. But somebody comes up with you a stack of 500 photos. Right. And they want you to just, they expect you to stand there and sign each and every one of those photos. It's just like, if you're, if, it, it'd be one thing if you said, hey, I'll give you a hundred, I'll give you X amount of dollars, a hundred bucks, sign this. Okay. Then there's like a business relationship happened there. Right. Right. So you want him, you want him to sign 500 photos for free, which you're going to turn around and flip. It's, it's unreasonable, you know? Not that like everything needs to a dollar, you know. Not that you need to charge fans, you know, in an airport, you know. For you know, if, if a fan comes up, all right, I'll sign that. You know, it's not like we're at a convention, right? You know, where I'm right. selling selling my own merch, my own wares, so to speak. That's a different business arrangement. But when you're out in civilian life, doing your thing, and you want to post for a photo or sign autograph, fine. But a stack of five hundred, you know. And I, I'm just throwing a ballpark figure out there. No, I saw that shit happen with, you know, not that I, you know, when I was there in the Attitude Era, you know, people going up to Steve Austin, hey, can you sign this? He goes, I will sign three of those. Right. And that's it. You know, and these are like high class, fucking high quality color prints that they, you know, want to flip and stuff like that. Now, if a guy went up and said, hey, here's a couple bucks. Can you sign? Steve would be like, all right bang them out, you know, it's a, it's a, if you want to, you know, make profit off, you know, somebody's likeness, at least give them a, give them something for it. You know, well, it's like, but what we were like, with like, the Cena thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 with the Cena thing. No, 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 no. Um, I'm just rambling too. Cause you know, like the show's called mind of the meanie and like, there's so many twists and turns and, and ups and downs. And, you know, I'm going to a million different places, but Cena, you know, I saw, and you bring up the clip, you know, and he handled it very professionally. You know, Cena is like the, the the Jedi master of how to interact with the people. So, it, it, and he, I think that's what the the point of that guy like egging him was was like he was trying to get a reaction out of him. Yep. You're not going to get a reaction out of John Cena like that. Are you crazy? No. This dude's not going to nope. do that. He is well, I mean, of anybody I've ever watched, that dude is probably the most well-trained of anybody in public that I can think of. There's no way you're going to get the, the pop out of him that you want to. But no, I think, but even when, what I was saying was even when we were at Icons, um, it was, yes. I won't say who, 
but I was in line to meet someone to, you know, take my own photo. Because at the end of the day, I'm still a fan. And there was a person in line that was at their table. I can't even recall how many, how many photos they're proud. There had to have been at least a hundred and they're signing them and they're just flipping them. And the guy was like, you know, here, do this now, do this. And it was like, it was this very weird dynamic. Right. And it was this very weird exchange that was happening between them. Cause the guy was like kind of being aggressive with this particular wrestler. And it was like, right. you know, I understand there's a business arrangement at, but at the end of the day, these are also people, Right. And there has to be a level of respect that comes with that. Even when hanging out with the BAM crowd, there were people who, you know, we'd be at Kildare's in Westchester eating dinner or just grabbing a drink. And it's like, no one's out partying. We're not doing anything crazy. It's just, you know, BAM and a couple of us hanging out. And people would come up and sit down at the table. It's like, guys, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This is not an open invitation. Like I I can recall one time specifically, and again, this is not mine to the atom. I get it. But just sharing a story to relate. (laughs) Um, we're having a conversation, sir. We're having a fucking conversation. Uh, so I was at, we're at this table and we are, um, we're having dinner and I went to the restroom and some girl came over and sat next to Bam and at the table. I just so happened to sit next to Bam at the table and she comes and sits down right in my seat. And I'm like, Oh, like I want my seat back. You know, we're at like a round table. So it's a five top. Like, listen, I, I want to sit down. She just gives, she literally gives me like a puppy dog face with her lower lip hanging out. Like, can I sit here? First of all, sweetheart, my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, is it, she's, she's way more attractive than you are. And second of all, get the fuck out of my seat. Like, this is, I, I, my food is here. <laughs> You're now breathing on my food. Like, you know, like, right. get, like right. there has to be a level of, I don't know if respect is the right word, but maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Like, you have to respect these people enough like they don't owe you anything, right? Nobody right. owes you anything. And I think that's the right. most frustrating part for me anyway is is to see that. So it's uh I I just get very frustrated when I see those things in public and and people at their lowest moments or people being goaded into their lowest moments. So uh, well, there was one time at the airport where uh a couple gentlemen come up to me with a stack of 8 by 10s and I again, it's 536 o'clock in the morning because they book you on the first flight out. Um, you know, I'm I'm you know tired, I'm miserable, I'm sore. And you know, they give me a thing, thing of photos to sign. I'm just like, no, no, I'm good. And I and I'll get I'm getting in line to check out. So what they do is they're there with their their kids. They send the kid over. Oh man. So they they're pimping out their kid because who's going to turn out a kid, right? Right, you know, exactly. Just, yeah. If you turn it down, oh, the blue meanie turned out a kid for an autograph. He's such an asshole, you know? Just holy shit, you know? Just, you know, some people go to certain lengths to, you know, and, and I, I, you know, right now, you know, I wish I had my 48-year-old mind back then to go, oh, what's your name, sweetheart? What, let me sign it to your name and, you know, yeah. personalize it. That way they yeah. can't sell it, you know? <laughs> I had, when I, again, to mention icons as well, which um, hopefully Minnie and I will both be there this year. We'll see. We're, uh, we would love to to see anybody there. Um, But Eric Bischoff, I met him. I saw him again at icons and, you know, James, I took my oldest son uh, because he wanted to meet you. So I said, come on, buddy, let's go down, you know, we'll hang out. And Eric was there. And I said, look, buddy, that's Eric Bischoff right there. And he goes, oh my God, can I go say hi to him? I was like, yeah, sure. 
And I walked up because, you know, I, I, having him on Foundation Radio was a big deal, which is my program, which you can listen to at foundationradio.net. Um, yes. And uh, it was a really big deal to have him on the show. So I talked about it a lot. And, you know, James was really excited for me, my oldest. And uh, he went up to meet him. And I said, hey, man, you know, hey, Eric, nice to see you again. I said, my son was really excited that we, you were on the show. I said, he really wanted to meet you. Now, I'm sure he hears that like a hundred times because it's a little kid. But like at the same time, like this was a legitimate situation where it was like my son, you know, so I can't, I, I would never pimp my kid out or do anything like that. Like all of the interactions that I've ever oh, had yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on social media with, like even the Goldberg thing, like that was something that like he wanted, that James had instigated and wanted to do. And it just so happened that, you know, Bill responded to us. But yeah, I just, I find <laughs> that stuff like, I find that stuff to be so off-putting, you know? And it's just like, guys, don't be weird about this. Just, you're making it weird. Stop being weird. <laughs> And, um, you know, you were talking about going to great lengths, but, um, uh, <laughs> it's time to go to great lengths this year in 2022 cheers to 2022 and resolutions. You can actually keep, how about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022, the cleanest and sexiest ever set your brand new. I know you're, you're all out there with your new year's resolutions, Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com right now and use promo code MEANY20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's new year, new me with the global leaders in below the waist grooming this year. Take your package to the next level with their performance package 4.0 and brand new ultra premium body wash. Inside the performance package, you'll find their signature lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and the advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light into the promised land 2022 looks to be. A grooming routine also isn't complete, Blue Mini, without applying the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver before showing off your 2022 self. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest parts of your body and are a big boost to your confidence into the new year. To complete the set, Manscaped also threw in their shed travel bag and anti-shaving boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And the new product needs no introduction. The ultra premium body wash from Manscaped solves all three of your issues for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but also in the shower. I definitely shower every day. I know we discuss this every week. Meaning, I know, I hope you do as well. At least twice or three times a week. Yes. And, uh, you know, you want to make sure that everything is taken care of and your body is smelling good. Your body wash smells great too. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin cleaning, f- feeling clean, nice and moisturized. Kick discomfort and poor hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job. Meaning, I know that I am down here getting little John and the East Side Boys ready for a brand new year. I know we can't control a lot of the things that have already happened, but that's one thing I can control is the hair on my balls. And Meanie, how are you feeling about the hair on your balls this this uh, this upcoming uh, new year? Uh, it's a veritable forest. Uh, you got to take care of the trees, take care of the shrubbery. Uh, but, you know, Manscaped's got so many good things between their deodorant, their hydrating uh, body spray, body wash, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, and they even have a lip balm, believe it or not. Uh, Crazy, man. But, you know, hey, a little suggestive. But, uh, hey, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, the foot spray. Yeah. Uh, I say each and every week, I, I'm a huge mark for the foot spray. 
take a nice hot shower, wash down with the body wash, use their shampoo, you know, but then you, you know, spray your feet down, go to bed and you wake up and you, you feel refreshed. You know, I'm a, I'm a, one of those, you know, I got to take a shower before I go to sleep kind of guys. So uh, I, I wash down with all the, uh, the fine products they've uh, given me and, you know, spray down my feet, you know, cause a long day of trying to get my steps in, you know, my feet take a, a pounding. So spray those down, go to bed, and I feel wake up feeling refreshed. And don't forget to let poor hygiene take a pounding this year as well with freshly shaved balls. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com right now. Go right now as you're listening to the show, but not while you're driving. When you stop, pull over and go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with using the promo code MEANIE20. Cheers to new balls in 2021 and Meanie. Cheers to balls everywhere and great lengths we take. Um, I wasn't sure how to transition that one there from a serious topic yeah. to shaving our balls, but somehow we did it, yes. sir. Uh, so we are here. Uh, actually, Vanessa, I, I'm really going to reach out to them. I'm going to reach out to Manscaped and see if we can add that save a bundle when you shave your grundle to their copy, because I feel like that is just fantastic. If you'd like to send us over some copy that we can send to Manscaped, go to follow us at Mind of the Meanie, <laughs> and we'll start adding some fun phrases into that. But fuck it, we'll just do it live. We'll do it live. Oh, well, fuck it, we'll do it live. Also, shout out to our soon-to-be sponsors. Hopefully coming up soon. Pepsi Blue Ribbon. We are hopeful that that is still going to happen yeah. as well. Yeah. Sam actually put this in stereo. I don't know if you can hear it. You'll hear it on the, the replay, but- like made it fancy for 2022. Pepsi Blue Ribbon. So sexy and loud in my ears. It's wonderful. So goes in one ear hole out the other one. That's right. It just literally it it just it, it, it just caressed my brain. Uh, Pod Squad, how are we doing, guys? <laughs> Great to see everyone today. All our guys and gals are here. In yeah, the you got to you got to get. You need to uh, join us at Patreon.com/slash/MindTheMeanie, where we're. Uh, it's a lively uh, conversation going on in the chat room there yeah. with all our with all our fine folks who join us each and every week at patreon.com slash Meanie. We would love to have you there as well. So go right now. You'll get a lot of amazing content. Meanie and I have a lot of cool shit that we're working on coming up down the pipeline when it is yeah. safe to be back in public. And uh, also, too, you get to hear our hallway conversations, which is the show before the show. So you get a little bit extra yes. part of us talking and hanging out with our cool team here. Uh, Jimmy, yeah, little Jimmy from Nebraska. Eric is a wonderful guy. Uh, excellent is. person. Um, what else is going on here, man? I'm just trying to go back through the comments and see what's going on here in the group today. Just tweeted. Yeah, uh, yeah also, they uh, talk about people we lost. We lost uh, Queen Kong from uh, Glow. Yeah, I was just I was just pulling it up from Vanessa here. I uh, that's, yeah, that's two people from the show now, right? It's Queen Kong and Angel. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah, crazy man. Yeah, that's the uh, the Pod Squad keeping us uh, current here because uh, I yeah, there's so much going on. You know, it's with, hard uh, it's hard to keep up. Yeah, but uh, Glow with you know talk about uh, another huge part of pop culture from the 80s, you know? People yeah. still talk about that stuff, you know? And Queen Kong, she was in a whole bunch of stuff between the Aerosmith's Love in the, Ele uh, Love in the Elevator video and she was, I, I believe she was on Married with Children. Mm, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. And, you know, they, they redid the, they did a show based off the show, Glow, on uh, Netflix, which 
was an excellent show, and I'm I'm disappointed they uh, didn't renew it. But yeah, it's you know, pretty solid show. Yeah. Hey, did you uh, did you get a chance to watch uh, John Moxley's return? I did not, but I will say, uh, yeah, somebody put out a, a before and after of right before he went away and him coming back, and he looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, good for him. You know, sometimes you, it, 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 it's one thing to have a problem, but it's another thing to realize that you have an issue and you need to take care of that issue and come back looking as great as he did, man. He looks like a million bucks, man. Just, yeah. uh, good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Renee. Uh, you know, she's, you know, stands by her man and, you know, uh, they, uh, they just recently moved from Vegas to back to Cincinnati, which is it's pretty cool, you know, moving back to his roots. So uh, I'm happy for him. You know, anytime somebody can better themselves, I'm I'm here for it. Absolutely, man. And I I, uh, I really enjoyed that promo. Uh, I thought he did an incredible job. It seemed like if it was from the heart, it seemed very, uh, you know, and a lot of those things too with, with recovery. I mean, it's it's very, those things can be devastating to someone's life. And the fact that he was able to acknowledge it and went to go get help, you can't ask for really anything more, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him doing well for himself, which is fantastic. I, I'll say this too. Uh, you know, there, it's, 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 you know, it's, there's nothing more heartbreaking. I'm not saying this about John, but I'm just saying in general, when you know somebody has a problem and they refuse to acknowledge it and uh, their problem is everybody else's fault, you know, yeah. the, the, that's the thing with addiction. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. Why, why are you trying to hold me down? Why, you know, uh, no, I, you know, dude, you're, you're literally falling asleep while you're talking to me. No, I'm not. You know, just, uh, you know, I've, I, there, there's been times where I've gone to have a match with somebody. Oh man. You're, you're, you're talking to them and they're all upbeat and all stuff. And sudden, all of a sudden they disappear and they come back and it's just like, it's like Betty by time. You know, they're, they're and you're like, Oh, now here we go. Now let me ask uh, you. you know. Let me ask you a question because that'll be a, that's a good question, a good segue into a, a topic, I guess. No, don't name any names. But right, I, right, right, right. I'm curious, as a performer, someone who's basically you're trusting your body with another person in the ring. How scary is that for you to know that someone is impaired like that? Because every, I guess the the real famous example, I guess, would be Sting and and J, uh, Jeff Hardy at Victory right. Road. Right, uh, that is, I mean, it's it's uncomfortable to watch. But it's a shame, and it's a shame too because it, it's it's he's literally fighting his demons. Like you're literally watching the demons take a hold of him in the ring. Yeah, how scary is and, it? And, Go ahead. And Jeff is such a, a sweetheart of a human being. You know, yeah. you hate to see that. You know, even if somebody's a dick, you still hate to see it. But. Yeah, I mean, you still don't want anybody to self destruct. I mean, that's not that's not right. the goal for anybody. But like, I guess the question is, how scary is it for you? as a performer, when you're in the ring with someone, you're like, oh my God, they're fucked up. How am I going to get through this? Like, what are, is there any way to protect yourself? Is there a way to keep yourself safe while you're performing? And how quickly do you go home? You know, like how quickly do you say, okay, that's it. We're done. Well, full disclosure with uh, everybody with the exception of the Sandman. Because <laughs> he seemed to work better in paired. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Shout out to the Sandman. The Sandman is the only guy who can really pull that off. Um, 
But then again, you know, back in the day, a lot of the boys would fucking, you know, have a couple brewskis before going to the ring and stuff like that. So it's just, but it's just to the point where, you know, without naming names, you know, there, you right. know there's, you, know, you just, uh, and thankfully it was a tag match. So I wasn't the only person in the match, you know, but I was just like, man, it just, uh, you try this to do things where it doesn't involve them picking you up. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, or you know, hey, uh, I think I'll go for the suplex. Uh, no, you won't. Uh, let's. Uh, hey, that's a good idea. Instead for the suplex, how about you go for the suplex and I'll do a inside cradle. You know, and go home. Thing. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just uh, you know, there, there's been plenty of times where I've been presented with a move that I wasn't comfortable taking, mm. and I would, you know, negotiate. Saying, you know, hey, uh, I don't think it would look good if I took that move. Uh, how about we do this? You know, and then they go, oh, okay. So, you know, you're protecting their move, you know. Right, right. But meanwhile, you're like, dude, if I take that, there's, I'm going to, I'll fucking die. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all, there's also situations where, like, somebody's wanting me to take a move and it's just like, okay, but then I have to be right up and sell for somebody else. Yeah, you know, like in a... A battle royal situation, which you're not really supposed to bump in the battle royal, but but like in a situation where somebody's just you know you know they're not there, it's just hey man, uh, let's try this instead, kind of thing, and uh, try try not to be in a situation where they had to pick you up for a body slam or a suplex, you know? Right. Uh, we're just gonna be working a couple holds there, pal, and uh, you know, hopefully get through this thing in one piece. And there's only been like maybe a handful of situations like that where somebody's been like, you know, they're fucking whacked. And it's like, and they're in total denial about it. And it's like, man, you know, just, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, to watch them be like that and be in denial about it. You know, so that's why, you know, when it comes to John Moxley, he had a situation that, shit, I didn't even know he had a situation. That's how well he covered it, you know. But for him to say, hey, I got a situation. I got to go take care of myself, come back and look fantastic. That's a, a, a testament to him as a, as a human being and as a performer just to say, hey, I got to take care of this shit. I'll be right back. And then he comes back and, you know, fan, looks fantastic. I uh, I think I, I hesitate to say like, you know, oh, hey, congratulations, you beat the beast because <laughs> anyone who's ever known anybody in recovery or that's been in the throes of addiction, it's a, it is a lifelong maintenance. As soon yeah. as you think you, as soon as you think you have a beat, you don't anymore. And then that's when you could yeah. potentially fall back. But, and that, um, that's where you kind of, kind of got, you kind of have to surround yourself with good people too. You got to right. keep your circle small. Absolutely. And there, there's certain people who inspire that, you know, uh, conduct or that addiction or whatever, whatever your vice is, you're going to have to either tell that person no more or you're just going to have to just totally cut that person out of your life because they're going to be like, hey, ah, one, one beer ain't going to hurt. Ah, just one hit of this joint. Yep. Not that, you know, pot's bad. I, I believe pot's like probably the only drug that's good for you. Right, you know? right. 
even for it's better than pharmaceuticals, but you know, just yeah. uh, less addictive. You know, they did. A st- <laughs> I forget what comedian said, but they did a study on weed, and they uh, the study showed that it makes you eat cookie dough. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, and then there's people who benefit from your addiction. Uh, there's a documentary uh, done by I want to say Chris Bell mm. uh, called Pres- Prescription Thugs. And it, it shows you, you know, how, you know, people benefit from, you know, addiction and prescription meds and stuff like that. And you just got to learn to recognize it and figure out, re- reroute your daily life to avoid those, uh, those avenues yeah. of addiction, you know. And it, yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm, I am happy for John and his family. I think it's a wonderful thing. And I hope that he, uh, I hope the, the road to recovery is not rocky. You know, I hope he continues to yeah. beat the demons and continues up on his maintenance. And I, and I, I think he's going to do, I think he's going to do really well. Uh, one yeah. other thing, one other quick question for you, the new, in the news, Sami Zayn yes. has re-signed to WWE uh, for another long-term contract, according to Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. How are you feeling about Sami Zayn's prospects going forward in the Rumble? Uh, good for him, man. Um, I know it's it's popular to hate WWE, uh, and it's popular to uh, want their demise because they're the evil empire. But just the fact that Kevin and Sami resigned shows that it can't be all that bad, right? Yeah, you know. You know, uh, you know. I wish I could have worked there a million years, but hey, eventually you're eventually hired to be fired in any in any situation. You know, NFL coaches say that all the time. You, you know, as soon as you get hired, it's the countdown to the day they fire you. You know, and the same thing, same with wrestling. You know, you're hired to eventually be fired. As hard as it is to get a job somewhere, it's even harder to keep that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Sammy's so fucking entertaining. Yeah, you know he's. He is that character. That character isn't a character. That's him. Yeah. You know, shout out to uh, Cliff Compton, who's, you know, told so many good Sami Zayn stories when he always delirious and stuff like that. Uh, if you if you have the High Spots Network, go watch the old uh, Kevin Steen shows, you know, where uh, Kevin, t- they tell delirious stories of him just being that guy. So it, it, some of the, and that's another thing. You know, some of the best characters are people's own personalities turned up. Yeah. You know. That's what Bruce says. You take that character, Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, that's his character. That's him as a person turned up to 11. And yeah. You know. Yeah. And that, well, that's why in the heyday in the 80s, you know, they would find out what you did in your real day job, you know, back in the day and make that your character. Cause you know, the, you know, big boss man worked in the penitentiary. So, yeah. okay, we'll make you a correctionals officer because you know what that person did. You right. Know? Right. So, and you can u- utilize that. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I got to tell you, and, and I've, yeah. I've said this a couple of times that Sammy Zayn has been a part of some of my favorite on screen stuff recently that I've seen in, I, I can't even recall how long. Um, with the Brock Lesnar and being involved with Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, <laughs> like all the Canadian besties. Uh, shout out to yeah. Paul Heyman too uh, yeah. and Sami Zayn for uh, retweeting Daniel's um, uh, interpretation of that. My son Daniel will walk around and yell about Canadian besties going moose hunting in Saskatchewan uh, pretty much all day. So anytime Paul is on the show and he's screaming, you definitely have Danny's attention. But no, I, uh, I think 
the stuff that they've been doing with those characters is just nothing between the four of them has missed. I haven't, right. there hasn't been one angle that they've done with any of them that have, that's missed for me. And I, I can't wait to see where they go for it. I would like to see, I got to tell you, I would like to see Sammy win the Rumble this year. I really would love yeah. to see that because I think there's so much you can do with that. And I think you really can in the right circumstances. And I'm sure I'm going to get heat for this, but I think in the right circumstances, you can pull off a Sami Zayn title win with a lot of Gaga and a lot of bullshit. And it would be right in line with this character. And I think it would be, I think it would be incredible. I don't know. What do you think? I got to say this. Um, people, you can shit on creative all you want, right? You know, uh, you know WWE's creative is fucking horrible, whatever. But it's also uh, on a talent. I mean, you, you're in charge. I don't care what creative books for you. They can't control you from the time you walk through the curtain through to the time you walk back through the curtain. You know, something you don't like, you know, do do something. Do, try, try something. Throw something out there. Yeah. You know, spitball. A lot, you know, do some, some quick improv. You can take a proverbial turd in the punch bowl or you know, chicken, chicken shit and then turn to ch chicken salad. It's up to, you know, the, 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 the wrestlers have the power. The performers have the power. They can't fire everybody, you know. If, I, you know, it's a, if they give you something to do and you're not really thrilled about it, go out there and try something that's maybe even better. And what's the worst thing they could do? Don't do that again? Or at best to go, man, we loved what you did out there. Yeah. Let's work with that. You know, you know, some of the, you know, the, the best things, you know, in, in wrestling have come from guys just going out there and saying, fuck it, let me, let me try this and it working at yeah. worst, at worst, they say, don't do that again. I don't want to see that ever again. At best they go, man, that thing you did, that's great. We can work with that. Let's, let's try something with that. And Sami Zayn is, you know, that guy, he is a character. He, I'm sure he can go out there and just freelance. Yeah. And they go, okay, let's, he's got something here. Let's work with that. The moment you can give creative something they can work with or expound on, yeah, the more valuable you are, you know? Um, uh, I just did some, some uh, interview and, you know, somebody said, you know, what's the best piece of advice you gave, you know, to a young talent? And, uh, you know, I, th I want to say it was between the ropes or uh, inside the ropes. Inside the ropes, yes. I did an interview for Inside the Ropes, and the interviewer was like, you know, I you know I helped co I helped coach Damian Priest and and Matt Riddle. Uh, not so much taught them to wrestle, how to wrestle, but how to navigate the business. And some of the best advice I could give is be the talent that you know creative has to tell to tone it down. And instead of being the talent that they need to inspire to do something. Right. Right. You know, it's better to go out there and go, hey, man, dial it down a notch. Instead of being the guy where they say, man, we can't get this guy to do anything. Yeah. You know, go out there 100% with whatever. And, you know, if you have an idea, just do it. Yeah. Just fucking do it. What are they going to do? Say, don't do that again. And yeah. go, oh, okay, yeah. I won't do it again. And if you do something and they like it, then you're Shit. ready to go. 
we they know they can rely on you. They know they can, you know, trust you with their TV time because TV time is so valuable. Right. You know, to get that TV time, maximize your TV time and just fucking take a fucking chance. You know, don't don't rely on you know creative. You know, be your own creative. Make it work for and, you. And, and that way. And, Creative would love to take advantage of something you came up with and make it make it look like they came up with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Steve Austin came with up with Austin, Austin three sixteen on his own. Nobody he knew he was going to say right? until he, he he ripped that off his, off the, off his cuff, right? Yeah, that was that was a that was a freestyle freelanced moment. He asked, you know, Michael Hayes, hey, what? He went to the hospital to get stitched up. Came back and said, "What did I miss?" Oh, uh, Jake did this promo about, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, religion, blah, 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 blah. He goes out there and goes, Austin 316, boom. And that's it. That's it. And the rest was history, man. Go out there and find your own thing that people can attach themselves to. You know, creative didn't come up with that for Steve Austin. Steve no. Austin came up for that for Steve Austin. It's up to you as a performer, but you go through that curtain, you own that time. Make that time yours. Yep. Meaning, do you know what yes. time? Do you know what time it is? Uh, I think uh, you might have some questions for I me. I believe so. It's time to ask Meanie anything. Would you like to do that? I would love, I would love to. It's time to ask Meanie anything. Ask me something. Don't forget, every week you can tweet us your questions at Mind of the Meanie using the hashtag Ask Meanie. And we will pull your questions up on the program to ask. Got a handful of questions here today. Uh, Pod Squad member Anthony Camerata says, wrestlers used to appear on game shows like Family Feud. If you got the <laughs> chance to be on a game show, what show would it be? Who would be on your team? And who would you be up against? Dude, like I grew up in an era where fucking there was game shows all the time. $10,000 Pyramid, Match Game, Joker's Wild. Uh, tic tac toe. Yeah, uh, Hollywood. I would love to have been on Holly, Hollywood Squares. Center Square. <laughs> Circle gets yeah. the square. Yeah, definitely, definitely Hollywood Squares because that was like that or Match Game. Yeah, uh, Match Game was really good. You know, uh, and then they tried to do the combination Match Game Hollywood Squares hour, where they would take the same cast from Hollywood Squares and do. They would rearrange the thing and it became yeah. match game. Yep. You know, definitely uh, match game was pretty fun because you give again, that's, you know, pro wrestling, that's improv. You know, they ask you a question you and you got to think something funny to say there on the spot. Right, right. Yeah, yeah so it definitely match game. Johnny Danger wants to know, hey, Meanie, if Stevie hadn't left the group in 97, what do you think the BWO would have gone on to achieve? More members, championships, dueling factions like Hollywood versus Wolfpack. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Stevie was, it's a shame Stevie left too because he was getting a serious singles run. He probably could have kept going for the TV title or the, the world title or TV title. Who knows what it, what would have happened? I didn't know he was leaving until he showed up on Nitro. You know, I was in Florida on vacation, and we're, we tuned into Nitro. And there's Stevie. I was like, oh well, 
There's that. There's the end. But, uh, of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And uh, you know, me and Stevie had it. Me, Stevie, and Nova kind of had like a a rift for a little bit over that. But we're we're cool now, obviously. Right. You know? Right. But at the time, you know, me and Stevie had to. Me and Nova had to. You know, ride the bench for a second because why would they use us? We could just be the next two to to leave. Right. You know? But once they realized we're, we were sticking around. You know, start having a, a run with a, a as a, a tag team. I wish we could have had a run with the tag belts. Right. I think me and Nova were having good quality matches. You know, with whoever we were in there with, and that's a credit to Nova because Nova, you know, helped push me. Nova motivated me a lot. You know, because you know, you know he he's he, you know it, you see everything he's done with you know helping younger talent in OVW and stuff like that. When he went to OVW, he was helping out down there. So Nova's got a great mind for the business. Uh, if Stevie had not left, that's a, that's a great question. I don't know if he could have had a run for the, you know, the world title. Me and Nova maybe run for the tag belts. Who knows? Uh, as far as extra members, probably not. Uh, I don't know. It depends on, you know, depends on the mood, you know, or what Paulie was thinking at the time, you know. But, uh, you know, we started off doing parodies, and that was the, the crescendo of us doing the parodies. I don't know if we would have done more parodies. Who knows? But, um, again, hopefully, you know, ECW wouldn't have went out of business either. <laughs> so That would have been the goal, though, right? That, yeah, not to have yeah, it go that, out of business, yeah. Here, there's that factor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 in, my, in the perfect world, he would have had a run for... Stevie would have had to run for the, you know, a major singles title. I mean, Nova could have tried to had to run for the tag belts. I, I, I've always, my, my whole career, I've been a tag team wrestler, mm. you know. I've just, from when I, you know, broke in with Al, he always had me tagged up with somebody. And I was always in tag teams. I go to ECW, I get involved with Stevie. There's another tag team. And then Nova, there's another tag team. So, I, I everybody wants to be a world champion. I would love to have been a tag champ. Brutal Barbie asks, what's the craziest ECW moment you saw or were a part of, and did you and New Jack get along? Oh, yeah. Me and New Jack totally got along. I did the, uh, I did a forward for his book, his autobiography. Um, craziest thing I witnessed in person? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, there's so many known things. You know, I was there for mass transit. I was there for riots. I mean, just the travel lodge alone, you know, the, the Cylinder of Sin in South Philly, there's so many things there, you, you know, you witness. Um, if Adam from Downingtown could ask like a 1B to that, as something like the mass transit incident is going on, what's going on in the blue meanie's head? Like, what are you, like, are you like, oh, fuck? Or is it just like, hey, this is just another day at the office? It was kind of just a, another, I mean, it was fucked up. But then, you know, details start coming out that the kid lied about his age. He lied about his experience. Like, I already knew he kind of fucked up because, you know, he's in the locker room. He's smoking, uh, he's lit up a cigarette sitting next to Taz. And What did Taz you know, say? Taz just looked, looked at him like, what the fuck? You know, I just... I Jesus. think he just walked off. I I don't even remember. I don't. I didn't even want to be around. It's kind of like when you see something happen, you just kind of like, oh, I'm going to go over here. 
you know? I don't want to get any blood on me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, The Homer Simpson into the bushes. I'm out of here, dude. Whatever that is, I don't I don't want part of part of any of that shit. Um but you, I, I you knew he kind of fought, he went up, you know, he's telling the guys spots he wanted to do, which is you know, if you're your first day in the fucking locker room, you don't do that. So, and the, the whole thing that could have been it could have been avoided had he said he was trained by Killer Kowalski and Kowalski always came to those New England shows. But for whatever reason, Kowalski didn't come to that loop that weekend. In Boston, and, and oh. it, it, if Kowalski had been there, he could have went. I don't know who this kid is. He ain't fight one of my kids, and we could have just shit canned him. Yeah, but then again, you know, that all could have been avoided if Axel had made the the weekend loop because he was a fill in for Axel Rotten. You know, oh right, right. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be Axel and Devon versus the gangsters, and uh, Axel. You know, he's told two different stories where, you know, oh, I couldn't come because my grandmom's sick. And then he goes on a documentary and says, oh, I, I don't, they didn't want to fly me, which Axel normally drove to that loop. You know, so who knows? But yeah. uh, there, there's a whole bunch of what ifs in the mass transit thing. But, you know, kid, you know, brought it on himself. Uh, yeah, I'm a wrestler when I'm not. Yeah, I'm 18. I'm not. Uh, can you please cut me? Which, if you look at New Jack's forehead, <laughs> if that guy's willing to, if New Jack's willing to do that to his own forehead, what do you think he's going to do to your fucking forehead? Right. You know? And you're inviting you him to yourself with that point if, and if, asking him to cut you. If, you. if I want somebody to remodel the the front of my building and do brickwork, <laughs> I go and look at their work, you know? Uh, let me see some of the things you've done before I invest my money Oh, that looks beautiful. Yeah, reface my house. Oh, uh, I want to get, I want to bleed in this match. Let me look at your forehead. Oh, okay, you have minimal damage. Like, I've, I've gigged. Look at my forehead. You don't see any fucking gig marks here. I mean, I have gig marks, but you'd have to look, fucking look for them. I think there's a handful of people that I can think of off the top of my head that I would never ask to blade me or to cut me. And at the top of that list would be New Jack. Second would be yeah, Abdullah, and, uh, second would be Abdullah the Butcher, and the and three A and three B would be the Dudley Boys. I mean, Devon, they all have it on their like. Well, Bubba never gigged. Well, I mean, Devon, but yeah, I but Bubba like, would take Devon's blood and put it on his own forehead to make it look like he was bleeding because he was too scared to cut himself. <laughs> Love you, Bubba. But, uh, Shout out to Bubba <laughs> and Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca, the guys that busted open. Uh, no, I just I. Uh, so okay, so was there any? I guess to go back to it uh, did, with New Jack, anything other, anything wild that would have stood out to you that you that you were a part of, besides like just ECW in general? Oh my God, there's that. I mean, there was a story where, well, it's not a story because it fucking happened. Um, Sabu would travel in a Winnebago, you know, mobile home. Which, again, him being ahead of his time because now wrestlers rent tour buses. You know, WWE guys rent tour buses and stuff like that. Sabu was on that with, you know, the mobile home. So Sabu had his mobile home parked outside the ECW arena. And I think uh, Chris Candido and Tammy were going to go to Sabu's Winnebago. And that was my computer chiming in. I don't know if you heard that. Um, 
fuck off. <laughs> um, and next door to the ECW arena, which was the Viking Hall, which is a mummer's brigade. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are like, oh, it's a bingo hall. No, it was a mummer's, mummer's clubhouse, which they happened to do bingo to raise funds for the mummer's brigade. That's another story. Uh, there's a, a like a, a club next to the sub arena, which uh, the mummers go like their own bar where they go and have you know drinks and stuff like that, At, like kind of like Elk's Lodge, you know, where you, you're, you know all the money goes back towards the club and stuff like that. So as you know, Tammy, Chris, and Sabu are going to Sabu's Winnebago. Some uh, some of the mummers are coming out. And somebody said something to Chris or Tammy, and there was an argument. Uh, I, I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. And a fist fight breaks out. Uh, uh, Chris Candido's younger brother, Johnny, was with him. Johnny Candido runs to the locker room. Help, they're beating up Chris. So the fucking locker room fucking hears that, and we all run out. And it's just a fucking melee, you know, between the Mummers and the ECW crew and like fucking Tommy Rich and fucking two Colt Scorpio knocking fucking people out and fucking Big Dick Dudley's out there fucking manhandling people like a bear. And just, it just became this big fight. And eventually we, uh, you know, I I don't know if anybody called the cops, but eventually it just ended where we, you know, we went our separate ways, and I don't know, I don't know what the payoff of that that brawl was, but you know, you know, Chris and Tammy got into an argument with somebody from the Mummers Brigade, and big fight broke out. His little brother Johnny Johnny Candido comes in the locker room, and goes, "Fight, fight!" They're you know fighting Chris. You know, everybody loved Chris, so you know, fucking um, locker room cleared. Yeah. You know, everybody ran towards the back door. It's towards like this back door area, but it was also the front of the arena, which I think now is the current entrance to the building, which yeah. they used to be a, used to be just like a cargo dock, loading dock for like parade floats and stuff like that. And right there at 2300, right? Right in the front there? Yeah. 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 Towards the, uh, the old form of mills. Yes. So, yep. Yeah. It's just a big fucking street brawl. It's fucking crazy. Ross Tona wants to know, what's the origin of the meanie dance? Oh, it was a happy accident. Just uh, Paul goes, hey, can you dance? And my face says, yes. My head said, my brain saying no. And uh, <laughs> there's been like variations of it. Um, when I first got DCW, they wanted me to have a dance off of Bubba. So I I made this, it's like goofy, kind of like the Elaine dance kind of thing, you know, from Seinfeld. And no, I don't watch Seinfeld, but I know the Elaine dance. So, um, but then, you know, me and Nova started being a tag team and I'm still doing the dance thing. And Nova was doing the raise the roof, you know, coming out with his hands up and I would do it, but like I would kind of dishevel it. So like the meaty dance was just basically a, a, a disheveled raised the roof. Because, you know, Booker T was doing the raise the roof. Right. So Nova started doing the raise the roof. So I tried to do the raise the roof, but I turned it into, you know, this, you know, you know, the arm, you know, one arm at a time and shake the hips because 
as they say in the what's that golf movie? It's all in the hips. That would be it's Happy Gilmore. The, yeah, I, to me, all his movies are the same anymore. But just, <laughs> this is Happy, in, Happy Madison. Yeah. yeah, that's the name of his production company. Is Happy Madison? Yes, I feel yeah. like he, that's enough of a joke for him. He's like, yeah, it's true. We got time yeah. for two more questions, so we're gonna hit hit yes. up the Pod Squad here. Little Jimmy from Nebraska asked, if you were currently wrestling with WWE. Who would you want to have a program with? Oh, man. Who wouldn't you want to have a program with? No, I'm just kidding. Who would you want to do? Uh, I wish uh, old school Otis would have been great. That you know, would Otis be as hell. Yeah. We, we could have had a lot of fun with that, with me dancing, him doing the, the fucking worm and stuff like that. We could have done a lot of things. I like Otis a lot, too. He uh, reminds me of Vader. Um, yeah. I mean, man, that's a good question. Because uh, you also have to think between Raw and SmackDown, where you want to go, or shit, do I even want to go to NXT? Right. So yeah, shit's on talent in NXT, yeah. I mean, I would love to work with Sami Zayn. We were just talking about him, but he's so far up the, the card right now, you know, so he's he's got world title aspirations. Um yeah, I'd probably have to say Otis. You know, a couple big... Even though I'm not a big fan of, you know, I'm a big guy working with another big guy, I think we could do some fun things. You know, I love Otis as a person, as a performer. Last question for today's episode, Anthony Camerata asks, what can you tell us about your days wrestling as white trash? And was that before the Zebra Kid? <laughs> that was like a one-off gimmick. Um so I started wrestling in the uh, Ohio, Michigan area, Canada area. And there was a uh, promoter, Machine Gun Mike Kelly. Well, he's a wrestler too, Machine Gun Mike Kelly. He started running shows called Great Lakes Wrestling. And uh, he wanted me and there was this other kid, Gaza Coleman, who wrestled as Crom, He wrestled as Kodiak Bear. He had a stint. He had a fight. And he uh, was in the UFC for like two seconds. You know, uh, Dan Severn brought him in, and he almost won, but he had a, a cut, and they had to they stopped the fight early. Mm -hmm. uh, but he wanted me and Gaza to do the a tag team, kind of like a knockoff of Public Enemy, and they he wanted to call it White Trash, and we're just going to be a knockoff of Public Enemy, and little piece of history, uh, our one and only, well, me and Gaze had tagged before for Sabu, but we weren't that. We were, you know, he was Crom, I was Brian Rollins. So uh, this, was, this was after Zebra Kid. So. And this is right around the time where I'm starting to go to ECW. And uh, I, I'm going to Michigan and I do like two shows for Mike. Uh, our first match was against a guy named Shooter Sean Brown and a young Rhino. So wow. ECW Rhino. So if you, there's footage out there, I don't know who would have. I've been trying to get my footage from those shows when I was out in Michigan. Nobody seems to fucking have them. But we wrestled Rhino in a, in a tag match. You know, it might have been like his second or third match. I was on Rhino's first show ever that I tell the story about, you know, when I wrestled Johnny K9, Bruiser Bedlam. Mm. Well, that night, Rhino made his debut, you know, for Scott Demore. 
but this show for uh, Mike Kelly, you know, we wrestled a young, uh, he was going by, I think he was going by as Rhino Richards at the time. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was just a one-off thing. We were trying to be a knockoff of Public Enemy and uh, yeah, it was like a one and done. I forgot about it. But you know what's not a one and done? Blue Meanie is the mind of the Meanie. And we appreciate yes. all of your questions, Pod Squad, and everyone out there who's tweeting at us using the hashtag AskMeanie. And you can hear your question asked sometime on the show. Blue Meanie, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh, if you would like to follow me, which if you haven't already, I am on all social media pro- platforms at Blue Meanie BWO, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, TikTok, which I don't know how to use. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to like to support the Blue Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie. Uh, I also have a line of beard care at MadCatBeardCare.com. I'm wearing the BWO-inspired Mad Cat Beard Care BWO shirt as we speak. Uh, so go over there, check it out. Uh, it's a good cause for, uh, takes care of feral cats, you know, that they, you know, to help, uh, rescue back to health. The guy does it on his own dime. So every dollar you spend there goes to that. Uh, if you want to, uh, support my me, go to the proslantees.com slash mindedamini. Follow my Amini on all social media, social media platforms at mindedamini. Also, uh, I'm on Cameo if you would like a well-wish, a birthday wish, anniversary, uh, whatever. Be creative. Go to Cameo.com slash BWO. And if you'd like to follow me as well, you can find me on all my social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram at this is Goober. You can also check out my interview show, my conversation uh, podcast called Foundation Radio. You can find it the same place you find Mind of the Meanie on all streaming platforms right now. You can also support my show by going to prowrestlingtees.com slash Foundation Radio. Meanie, it is always a pleasure to do this, this program with you. Always excited to have another episode each week and get a chance to kick it and k- shoot the shit. I enjoy this very much. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Sir, for the Blue Meanie, I'm Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip through the mind of the Meanie. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Kreps. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Mini's brain out. The world of MLW Radio never stops.